This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. everyone and welcome in to episode 245 of Film Tank. Alex Diekman here with you along with Nick Cheney. Hey, hey, hey! Hello there. Hi. You are ready for this episode. I, you know, since we're talking about cuties, we are a couple of cuties. I, uh... Just a couple? Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm only talking to the people who have been introduced so far. Oh, okay. I don't want to break the suspense and pull back the curtain. You already broke the suspense by saying the name of the film. Now, who's that? Now, see, you're spoiling the name of the movie. Uh, No, you literally just said the name of the movie. Yeah, but they didn't know. Maybe they just thought I was using. Yes, they did. A improper noun. That's a grammatical term. Look it up. No, it's not. You've totally spoiled the opening. Hi, Alex. This is Tucson Egan. Hey, ho, let's go. What was that? Oh, wait. Okay. I don't get that one. I mean, that's the Ramon song. But... Right. No, I mean, I'm aware of the cultural phenomenon. I was sort of like the br- Ramones. I was sort of like bringing the but... energy as though I was part of like a cheer in order to sort of like you know obliquely sort of I like. I don't think you've seen uh, it. Like like <laughs> sort of sort of uh, uh, hearken to the fact that we're going to be talking about we're going to talk talk about a film that has something to do with like you Pain know dance green. routines and cheering. But then you decided to like sort of like blow it out of the water. But I still decided to go with my opening. Oh, anyway, we have a... Speaking of water. Guest! <laughs> Who's our guest? Are you going to get the door, Tucson? Yeah, I'm walking over. Who's there? Who's there? Oh. These are all the sounds the door makes. Yeah. So our friend Anna Bodazadu has joined us again. Hello, I just sat down, as you could yes, hear. You're able to make your way through that door, which had... The sound effects of an episode of the Rugrats, so that's great. It's truly an amazing door to walk through, so thank you. It really is. I think it's just Rugrats, actually. Did you say the Rugrats? Yeah. Well, no one was really going to hold you to the fire for that one. (laughs) It's not the Rugrats, it's Rugrats. Hey, drop the the. (laughs) Just Rugrats. Yeah. Uh, Sean Parker's biggest addition to this company. Great. You know what? No, don't no relish, just pickles. <laughs> okay. As a that fan of great. relish, I take offense to that. Well, Alex, what do we have on the no, menu? No, but that was great because he referenced their last name, which yeah. is pickles. Yeah, from the Rugrats, <laughs> yeah. or just Rugrats? Yes, yeah. whichever just it is. Yes, <laughs> or just Rugrats. So we are not reviewing the show Rugrats on this episode, or the Rugrats movie. That's for another. The later Rugrats date. go to Paris. No, <laughs> there's which two is the of best them. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are <laughs> reviewing a French film, which is uh, 2020's Cuties, 
which was referenced by both Nick and Toussaint, at least the name of it. So this film, which has uh, been controversial for some people, <laughs> uh, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival Yay. earlier in 2020 and uh, surrounds Amy, an 11-year-old girl who joins a group of dancers named The Cuties at school and rapidly grows aware of her... Um, you should have read that one yeah. beforehand. <laughs> I, 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 can, I, can, I can tell that you you pause yeah, for a I, I ran into a word that I I was I wasn't sure how to pronounce. So that's right. Sexuality. Yeah. Ingenue. Uh, he, uh, rapidly grows aware of her femininity. We'll just we'll just we'll just call it that. That's fine. Um, upsetting her mother and her values in the process. Hmm. Do eleven year olds have values? Uh, well, yeah. they're learning them. The that counts say, for they're something. They're indoctrinated at first, the building. and then they discover their own. The building yeah. blocks of values. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this film, um, I believe, is the lowest rated film on IMDb we've ever reviewed. Okay. As uh, the, yeah. I, the IMDb community fuck has given us a 2.7 out of 10. But I don't. But here's the thing, Alex. I don't give a fuck about the IMDb uh, community. And I say that as both I do, a, because a personal person and as a published writer on the internet. So, so okay. Ooh. So uh, I, I will say um, a lot of the reviews, I'm just reading the headlines here from the reviews, uh, one out of 10 disgusting, one out of 10 disturbing. Uh, so they just review bombed this? I think that's what happened here. Yeah. Also, Alex, oh, the word was happened. burgeoning. Oh, burgeoning. There burgeoning. it is. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, worst movie I've ever seen, violence and harmful First sexual all, content. That would be worst movie I've never actually seen. <laughs> if we're just going by what's probably the case here. Okay. Uh, Magic Mike for pedophiles. <laughs> that's what I said when we watched it. No, that's actually not what you <laughs> but said. But I said that as a plus. Oh, my uh, God. Stop. Anyway. Um, so who wants to start? I do. Uh, okay, so let's have uh, Nick start. Ale- uh, Alex, were you finished with your introduction? No, I mean, I, He's I, not finished. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, we don't know any of these actor or actresses' names. Yeah, true. Um, and I don't really know how to pronounce the director's name. It's just, uh, I'm going to give it a try. Uh, okay, now Anna's going to get her phone. Uh, <laughs> You're talking to a girl that took French for quite some time. Oh, there okay. you go. Let Anna take uh, the wheel here. So, M- Mamoina... Du- Maimuna Ducore? That's what I was going to say. I th- yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> that's as the- close as I can get. Maimuna we Ducore. Clo- we were pretty close on the first name, and I was gonna. It was gonna be ending in a there uh, with the last name, so I'd been close. Yes, but do- the actors and actresses, I've, I've never. Heard do you of want any me to them, give them so. a stab? Uh, if you would like, go right okay. ahead. Yes, please, Anna. Amy is played by Fathia Yusuf. Angelica is played by Medina El Aldiazuni. Or, a- excuse me, Adiazuni. Uh, Kumba is played by Estor- Esther Guhuru. Jess is played by, what's her full name? Ilana Kami Gorsolas. Hmm. Yasmin is played by Miriam Hama. We all know what happens to Yasmin in this film. Do we, though? <laughs> I'd. It was oh, kind Mary- of left unclear. Miriam is played by Maimuna Guay. Oh, look at that. She has the same first name as the director. Hmm. The Auntie is played by Mabisine Therese Diop. Oh, I think that's actually... Oh, wow. She has the same last name as the main character in the film. Hmm. 
Ishmael is played by Demba Dia. Uh, I think I think we've gotten the main yeah. lawyers. Cool. I think. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm just. No, you're I, I guess I was going. just flexing at how I could pronounce them. Yes. My bad. Very well. All right. Cool. Thank you. That's yes. yes. Uh, student right. number four was played by. <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So Nicholas said he wanted to go first. So uh, take the wheel. Thank you so much, Alex. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Um. First of all, to address the quote controversy end quote uh it's fucking stupid people have never watched foreign films people don't realize that their own choice of sexualized young women is their own business and not necessarily that of a narratives and i kind of hate everybody on this planet right now now when it comes to the movie itself i thought it was pretty good uh, i didn't think it was fantastic and i think mostly that's relegated to the last third that i thought yeah was a little bit rushed in some aspects but in general i thought it was pretty great i thought um all the child actors were fantastic and phenomenal i mean um a lot of the camaraderie between the girls reminded me of a uh, swedish director lucas moodison who has made uh, we are the best and show me love uh which also has a similar eye for how preteen people speak and act with each other and i feel like it's such a weirdly in common thing in the america uh because it's like I don't know. I feel like we do not have interest in depicting people who are not at least of what I think America considers to be a sexualized age. You know, it's like under that, then it's a movie for children and it can't possibly have any value to adults. But, you know, once you get outside of this country, then it's like, no, you know, everyone has a childhood. Therefore, everybody can relate to the awkward pains and uh, tragedies that is growing up, even before you go through uh, the hell that is puberty and and coming of age. Adolescence. Yeah. So I thought this was pretty good. I thought overall this movie, I mean, yeah, in conjunction with the stupid controversy, had a lot to say about the sexuality of, in particular, young uh, adolescent girls. I honestly think that a lot of the controversy stemmed not from the film itself, but from the marketing of the film. But oh. actual po- the poster and the name, like, that was really sort of like the springboard for a lot of the conversation surrounding it and really has no sort of consideration for the actual content of the film itself. I would agree with that in that I think everyone who actually – uh, you know, review bomb this and thought this was stupid were people who ate and watched the movie, so therefore their opinion is invalid in general. But this is kind of a tale as old as time in general. I mean, um, even, I mean, you know, um, I went through a wiki wormhole the other day. And, <laughs> I've uh, been there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I was reminded of a 2003 uh, miniseries that was going to air on CBS uh, called The Reagans. And the miniseries had not been shown yet on CBS, and uh, I think a, I think Josh Brolin played Ronald, and Judy Davis played uh, Nancy. And before it came out, Republicans were already annoyed and upset <laughs> that it was somehow not going to depict what they considered to be a 
Bowen's depiction of Reagan, which is like, you mean a false one? <laughs> um, because technically they hadn't seen the project yet. CBS had greenlit the script, the production, and the final product. But then this blowback came, and then CBS issued a statement and actually caved. It's one of the few times, it's like the hunt. It's one of the few times when uh, an entire major studio was like, oh, yeah, no. Um, so in their case, they decided to punt it to Showtime because they're like, well, you have to pay for Showtime, so therefore, at least it's not being broadcasted to corrupt the free public. Well, it's like the Comey. The yeah. Com- the Comey, uh, is it Comey? Yeah, the, the Comey, Comey rule. Comey, yeah. Comey rule. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it, it's one of those things, I mean, I was reminded, of course, last year of The Hunt, which I finally watched, and it's so funny because that movie was the exact opposite that Republicans said it was because technically that's about a bunch of liberals who are horrible people and take matters I, into their own I, I was going to say, man, um, the first 20 minutes of this film, Cuties, really just establishes a lot of the things saying, like, oh, Republican values are important. Absolutely. because And here's the thing. This is where I get with Toussaint. Or where I equivalent, say, like, conservative values. No, but it's true. Yeah, conservative. And, yeah. But here's where I would say to Toussaint that I think you're half right, which is that it is definitely due to the marketing and the way Netflix pushed it with the poster or whatever. Right. But the other thing is the other half, which is Republicans <laughs> – uh, I guess conservative, deeply conservatives, particularly evangelical right, that kind of thing, uh, see something like this, and it's their own projections that are technically what they are fighting. It is their choice, like I said earlier, to sexualize the young woman instead of seeing a narrative about the sexualization of young women. And it's the idea that we can't have art that exists uh, – outside of their own perspective uh, that is just asinine because technically they have the freedom of, you know, their bullshit, whether it's that gays should die in hell or whatever, and yet somehow a movie that tries to reconcile with society's oppression of women and in particular young adolescents in the confines of a conservative upbringing is like somehow threatening to them. The counterpoint to that, though, is um, their argument such as whatever you might call it a counter argument of is like they don't even think of that as their point of view, but rather as a point of view distinct in and of themselves that stands as an objective sort of like, Oh, I, yeah. You know, I and mean, I agree yeah, with that, yeah, but you know, they're the same ones who want to have daddy you agree daughter. That they, they conceive of that as an objective, like yeah. separate of, of their own opinion. Oh, I agree that their disillusionment, right. you know, is that far fetched right. where they don't understand that they're having an out of body experience, right. but they're the same culture that wants to have daddy daughter dances that want to, have this whole uh, purity and sanctity of a woman's sexuality, but not that of a man's. Uh, right. I mean, just look who they put in the White House, despite the fact that they have these uh, extremely strong values hmm. and whatnot. So uh, it's all fucking bullshit. Uh, the movie is actually pretty decent, uh, actually pretty good. It doesn't quite live up to the, uh, I would say, the stature that a movie would have to, I would think reach to truly not overcome the controversy because the controversy is fucking bullshit but to actually stand above it and to get you know like me to actually go talk about it to other people but i um, at the end of the day this was a pretty boilerplate and decent french uh drama i mean this is 
like I said, it's um, you know kind of like the Lucas Moodison uh, film. It's also like uh, Celine Siama, uh Girlhood, which she made, which was a French coming of age story uh, about a fourteen year old girl in the in the projects um, back in twenty fourteen or so. And so I mean, it's like this is nothing new. Um, the only thing is twerking has been invented, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Since then, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's so stupid um, that we actually have to have this conversation with that baggage, because in in general, the movie deserves to be seen in its own light, and deserves to make the case for its argument without also having to fight another battle that is in no way worthy of the movie's own narrative and values. So um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was definitely rushed, and we'll get into that. But those are my opening thoughts. All right. Like to go next? Okay. Um, so I I didn't know much about the, the controversy surrounding this, like up until like actually watching the film uh, with my co-hosts here. Um I kind of had sort of like an informal conversation with my my girlfriend about it, what we knew about the the film in that sort of respect. And my girlfriend, uh, like back when she was in high school, and I think also in middle school as well too, she was in uh, cheerleading. It's one of the things that she was a, a part of. And uh, and one of one of the things that sort of stuck out in our conversation when she sort of talked to me about like you know I I didn't think anything of it back when I was that age, but looking back at sort of the the culture and the mentality um, that goes into sort of the costumes for cheerleading um, and the sort of mentality of like the upkeep of one's body really does sort of like transform into these really toxic behaviors that sort of proliferate like later on in life. Even though she is able to look back fondly on those years as sort of a time where, you know, as with any sort of like group sport that you have, like when you're coming together with other people and you're able to just sort of like be able to accomplish something that you probably couldn't have done on your own, like like just through like an actual group effort. It's like, and so that's something that I'm I'm sort of taking into this initial viewing and like talking about it. It's like I. Uh, when I when I watched this film, it sort of reminded me of, and I I'm sure that these are very basic comparisons, uh, nowhere near as as deep as like Nick's, but it sort of reminded me of Larry Clark's Kids, or uh, the 2003 movie I believe 13 with Evan Rachel Wood. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's just sort of one of those films that sort of like its its protagonists are essentially these these kids these adolescents who are. Um, on the cusp of like teenage and adulthood and they're sort of forced to sort of navigate the pitfalls of not only uh, growing up but growing up um, in like as as someone assigned female at birth somebody who has to navigate their sort of nascent sexuality and not only how they see themselves but also how others come to view them and the sort of things that the the sort of respective roles that are foisted on them by both um, a very chaste conservative mindset and a, probably a more uh, uh, what's the what's the word for it a more libertine uh, mentality I, I guess um, I will admit that some of the imagery in this film did make me feel a bit uncomfortable even sort of trying to sort of like contextualize it and sort of fit it within. It's it's 
its its context and its in its own message. And I and I still believe that that imagery still exists within its own image. I don't think that it's necessarily the film itself, but rather what those images in themselves speak of the culture surrounding how a, a a woman's body and how a woman's sexuality is sort of packaged and negotiated through a male gaze by a predominantly male gaze and how this 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 girl Amanita Aunt Amy and her friends really what they are doing is I think I think uh Anna actually actually said this like they're trying to grow up too fast and really what it is is that they're just trying to emulate or or ape what they see around them in sort of the aspiration of not just like it, it's not it's not necessarily the state of being ogled but the state of being assured of oneself of being assured within one's own body and one's own presence and one's own relationship with other people and i think that's really what dancing is for amy it's a means of her sort of being able to relate and know herself and others through those sort of associations and the sort of like group dynamic that gives her a a a means of 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 a sense of of belonging even though when that friend group initially starts it's very uh caustic it's very harmful it's very very bullying um eventually she's able to ingratiate herself into it by virtue of her aptitude for for dancing her aptitude for being able to learn how to dance um i think that this is a really interesting film and i think that um i wouldn't go so far as to put it in the same category that i would put larry clark's aforementioned kids into which is that i think that that, no because i think he gets off on it to a degree i think that i think that larry Larry clark's uh kids and it's comparable in that that sort of sense too because you see these kids who are sort of like left to their own devices by absent uh parents who are either just not in the picture or just completely oblivious to what is going on in their in their uh their kids inner lives and what's actually like sort of like moving through them and how they sort of like trade these inferential stories about what it means to be in a relationship with somebody, what it means to to have sex or some shit like that, because it's still the great unknown for them. And so it's, I wouldn't put it in the same category as that film and respect it to how I feel about that film, which is that I believe that that is a, a, uh, uh, I believe that that is a significant film that accomplishes what it sets out to do, and I will never watch that film again. I feel I believe that I have gotten as much as, as I can get out of kids. Now there is there are some colleagues and some friends of mine who would name that one of their best their their favorite films of all time, and I could totally see why they would they would gravitate and like enjoy that film. It's just for me like there is nothing left for me to get out of that film that I feel that I I. I feel any sort of urge to go back to it. Respective to cuties, maybe I feel sort of like respective to that, but I, it's just I'm still sort of like tussling and wrestling with my my feelings respective compared to that because I feel like they are two comparable films that are sort of delving into their own respective uh, perspectives on the same subject matter but from two – not only two – culturally different perspectives but also a a a difference of gender 
that is that I feel like informs the lens by which we see those those sort of respective events. Um, but I, yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm sitting with my feelings at, at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, we can go go into it a little bit more. Uh, Nick, you wanted to say something really quickly, just because yeah. you brought up kids. I will say, speaking of kids, because Harmony Corrine wrote that. Yeah. Uh, technically speaking, uh, cuties for me watching it for the first time tonight. I had nowhere near the experience that I had the first time I watched Spring Breakers, which I found profoundly more uncomfortable the first time I watched it as far as shock value Mm -hmm. because technically the girls on screen were of age. And I feel like that in and of itself doesn't make it okay, Mm -hmm. and yet that is literally all the permissiveness that, quote-unquote, the conservatives need (laughs) to sexualize you know, young women and whatnot. And I feel like when we see a movie like cuties, what's missing is almost the permission. And therefore the knee jerk reaction is to their own weird internal sexualization over hyper sexualization of the world at large and specifically of women that that's what they're reacting to is that they're not being given permission. Therefore they shouldn't be fucking doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, who wants to go next? Alex does. I was gonna say I've I've got I've got thoughts. Um, I thought this was uh, pretty good. I didn't think that this was anything earth shattering um, in terms of a film. I actually thought the first twenty minutes of this were fantastic, um, and not because that was before they got into all of the dancing and whatever, but just because there were uh, cinematic moments that I thought were next level, um, specifically. Um, when the main character, Amy, is hidden under the bed and she ends up overhearing uh, the mother being forced into having to tell people um, in the area uh, that her husband has taken a second wife um, and then hearing her crying and um, just the audible sounds of her mother kind of beating herself up um, that the main character and also the audience gets to hear, I thought was pretty um, terrible, but also fantastic in terms of filmmaking. Uh, in my opinion, yeah, the way the the that whole scene sort of like frames it is sort of like, yep, this is the mold that you have to sort of fit into. Yeah, this is what you can look forward to. Yeah, uh, I will say I did uh, actually very much enjoy uh, the denouement of this film. Um, I, I do love just a, the very simple admission um, <laughs> that even though uh, women are put into two buckets basically um, by men in cinema. It's either um, stuck up bitch or whore, um, and even by other women. Well, yeah, um, you can just be a regular person who just goes out and just does things. Yeah, so um, that is possible. That is one of the options uh, in the multiple choice of life. So, uh, as far as the rest of the film goes, um, I will echo some of Tucson's sentiments where. Um, I sat down to watch the movie and there were parts of it that I thought were a little off putting, but I think that that was intended and that's, that's okay. I mean, this film isn't doing anything that I think is, um, I guess I don't want to say inappropriate, but I do think that is, that it is, it is using, using suggestive Hitchcockian, um, types of methods to, make the viewer feel like they are seeing more than they actually are. You guys are making me question what I watch in my spare time. Because, oh, God. <laughs> no, but, like, just just to quickly say, like, 
I name dropped this when we were watching it, but like Wes Anderson makes Moonrise Kingdom in which literal preteens grope each other and make out uh, in underwear. And that made me profoundly more uncomfortable than anything in this movie. I've never seen Nagasaki. Yeah, no, no, but I'm just saying in general, like, but that gets praise. And, you know, Nagisa Oshima makes in the realm of the senses where a hypersexual woman, there's at least one scene in which a woman or a child who is not her child is running around the home naked and she's playing with him to the point where it almost at least at certain points looked like she is grabbing the child's uh, private parts. That scene was cut in a lot of countries uh, edit of that movie, but, and, but Criterion released it on, you know, uh, edited, whatever. So I guess it's like, I, I feel bad that for some weird reason, cuties did not elicit no, I mean, a reaction uh, uh, where, I mean, it's not that I didn't find it to be like commenting on yeah. sexualization. It, I wasn't sitting there going like the guy in Little Miss Sunshine after Abigail Brenslin, the biker, when he's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I felt like it, this movie with that scene in Little Miss Sunshine from start to finish where it was always kind of slightly in on the no, I, I I think that um, uh, uh, I'll say this. Uh, watching it on the screen and seeing it happen, uh, we think nothing of it. Or sorry, we, people are either outraged or or they are they want to have opinions. I mean, most people I think that have opinions haven't seen a second of this film. Uh, but if you if you saw if you were just driving by your car and you saw girls like doing a dance routine that could be somewhat suggestive. Um, on a corner somewhere, you would probably think nothing of it. And that's just kind of what's happened now. And I, I won't say the, the girls shouldn't want to do dances and things like that, but like uh, this film does say very clearly, I think, that social media and the internet has just... Um, un, I, I, I don't, it's sort I don't, of an accelerating force. Uh, I, I think it's a. Perks. I think it's a. I think it's a, a changing force. To be honest with you, because um, we talked about uh, depression and things like that um, in in this age. I mean, uh, and you're an 11 year old, whether you're a boy or a girl, um, becoming a teen. Um, you know, eventually becoming a man or a woman. Um, you, you, there's so many things happening, and it's a. It's probably the biggest change you'll go through in your entire lifetime and you don't know it's coming <laughs> i mean you're ta- told about it but you don't know because you're a fucking kid um and it just just the way that that everything progresses um for for so many years has been you know this idea of whether it's bullying um or shaming or things like that um it, it's on such a micro level uh, in schools or at home, um, and and it is it is bullying that I feel like people, even though it is still completely terrible, um, it, it's it's been evolved into um, where we as a society cannot possibly evolve into Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that if we are children or teens or preteens or whatever because um, it, it's. It's just started, and there's absolutely no there's 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 no oversight. There's no safeguards or anything like that. Like it's just been turned loose. And this film pretty much talks about that, even though like it's not a major part of it. Like any person can just have a 
thing and just send photos and do whatever and um, have their mood changed by the amount of likes that they've had by their um, posts. Yeah, so, dopamine. Yeah, and it's um, uh, those kind of things for me should be much more concerning uh, than, than some of the things that are happening. But I thought a lot of the themes in this film um, were intriguing. I, I did really like the religious aspect of this. Um, I, I thought that was a pretty solid inclusion. Um, and uh, everyone's mentioned a film uh, that they com- are comparing this to in some way. And oddly enough, um, a movie that I kept thinking of uh, was a very good film um, called The Florida Project from about ah, four yeah. or five years ago. Hmm. And not necessarily because that film is about sexualizing children or anything like that. But no, but it is children f- forced to be older than they are. Yes, and yeah. children left to their own devices. Um, and in that film, it actually is, for the most part, children. Um, and that film does actually tackle the idea of a pedophile um, yeah. who's... Yeah. who's uh, uh, the only reason why he is not allowed to catch his prey is because of a good um, um, hotel manager. Owner. Yeah, manager yeah. who's oddly enough played by the person who probably is most likely to play a pedophile in a movie, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, that that's an interesting film and definitely tackles a lot of themes. Um, the main character's mother. Um, results to prostituting and has her take photos of her and locks her in a different room when she's having a uh, gentleman over so, with Macon Boyer. That's true. That is right. And then he gets angry because she is it. It's something really specific to Disney. She, she, took she stole his, her, his family's ma- his magic bands. Yeah, his family's yeah. magic Disney passes. And she's like, yeah, you're going to go tell your family that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, to your point, Nick, and, and, and I, I thought this before even seeing this film, um, there's so many just – I hate I hate what we, what we have right now. This idea of making your mind up about something without even knowing what it is, is is really disgusting and disturbing and unfortunately a microcosm for a lot of what our current culture and society is. This idea that um, – not interested in reading the text, but more interested in reading the headline, uh, which is something I'm guilty of many times over um, in, in, uh, in a lot of other cases, too. But uh, we just need to be better about understanding and appreciating what art is going for and what it's trying to be and not judging a book by its cover or what someone else says about its cover, yeah. um, which I think is the bigger thing. So this, I, is, this is an interesting film. I didn't love it, but I, I also thought that this had a lot of uh, good qualities. I think saying? if most people who hated it before they actually watched it or didn't actually watch it watched it, their biggest complaint after watching it would be that they were bored, not that they were uncomfortable. Not enough sex. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this is not the kind of movie that they even dream that it is no i mean uh, this is pretty mundane yeah uh, it's, it's it's a contemporary french drama and yeah. that's all it is in a good way but that's, yeah yeah so anna okay so um going into this film i tried to um kind of as soon as like the controversy came out i tried not to pay attention to that too much honestly at first i thought this was a documentary and then it it like shocked me when i found out it was a drama um i actually thought the same thing see okay i i'm not sure where i even got that notion from but when i heard it was a drama i was like okay yeah, no, yeah, I, if I, it's I, a documentary I, then it sort of makes sense and i'm just like oh my god yeah i was like okay so this is gonna be just you know a version of dance moms but from another part of the world right. so anyway yeah. so um like nick 
was saying, you know, I feel like many members of the typical American audience just simply don't consume enough foreign films because this kind of has... Why did Parasite win Best Picture? This has all of the elements of a typical contemporary French drama. And I know with, um, I mean, I, Canal Plus in particular, because I think they make very popular uh, foreign films that, you know, reach us across the mm-hmm. Atlantic over here. Um, they touch on um, everyday life in, I think, a little bit more real and a little bit more of a raw way than many American films do, especially for um, audiences. And then especially concerning Um, children because this you know since we're bringing up context I did think of kids and by um, Larry Clark and then very 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 briefly I was like I really hope this doesn't reach like Ken Park levels of cringe and it never did but even so Um, what it more typically reminded me of is the TV show Skins that is UK based Uh, mm -hmm. and then that had a great theme song Exactly. And then when the American version came out... Oh, that shit sucks. That didn't even reach... I don't think it reached a complete first season because the outrage was too great. And if only... Yeah, I remember that. If yeah. only advertisers knew what was going on in the British version. I know. I was going to say, it's an American <laughs> remake, which means it's already watered down by virtue exactly, of being American. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And Skins, uh, the UK version, is still one of my all-time favorite television shows. Um, but again, it was one of those shows that tackled young people. I mean, granted, a little older than the primary 11 year olds we see in cuties and um what they go through and it's they're they're willing to show on screen like kind of the more of the hard-hitting things that quote-unquote adults like don't really want to admit to themselves what actually happens to some degree and granted it's television so it's a little bit more exaggerated anyway so i was um kind of surprised by the quality of this film um if anything i think I can agree with the rest of the gentlemen here. The most uh, the most visceral emotional reaction we all had was when Yasmin got pushed in the water and we thought she was oh going to drown. Oh, God. I literally got up out of my yeah. seat. Oh, man. That was that was really just so good. That's, that's good, good filmmaking right there. <laughs> hmm? That's good filmmaking right oh, there. Oh, it is. That is. It is. I said it, I said it probably about like two or three minutes before that happened, but I'm like, is she going to have a Tanya Harding moment? And she did. <laughs> she did, yeah. I know. It was truly outstanding. And like, granted, um, that I think that says quite a bit to how the narration was built up here that, you know, we see, we see this happen and then interspersed after. And then before that scene, it's the very many instances of dance and um the things that amy does that she thinks are a good idea but are actually not a good idea and they're just her rebelling and um i mean granted i'm the only one here that's been a girl going Mm. through puberty Mm -hmm. granted are we sure can confirm (laughs) (laughs) tucson's face was great It's funny because he got like so mad, and yet Nick said something very similar. So that's fine. I said can confirm. Oh, I thought you said can't confirm. No. (sighs) Anyway, continue, Anna. And I mean, it's it's such an odd moment. I think that was that was Amy. She was the first gal in her group of friends. 
to have Shark Week go on, and it really is just a terrible thing to happen. Mm. And I feel like, truthfully, it just all like spirals for her. It to some degree, you know, she ends up. Um, you don't really even recognize your body anymore. What's it's it's of? extremely no, I mean, bizarre, yeah. and then it just it all really goes downhill for the, from there because your body is continuing to explode for quite some time mm-hmm. after that. Um, and Amy is just doing all these things where she is believing this is such the right thing to do and she can do what she wants after she's discovered dance and after she's still in the phone and then takes that picture of her body and like she is she's learned to condition in a very negative way that any sort of attention that she can get on the internet is good attention and in a very very basic way People that are much older than her still believe that. So that isn't too far fetched. That is defining their life. I would think, (laughs) I mean, I would think, maybe this is controversial, but that all four of us at this table believe that to an extent. I mean, I don't mean in the same, like, degree, but, like, that's why we are on Facebook and we are on, you know, whatever. Exactly. And and to, to, to a certain extent and in a different way exactly yeah. because all of us i mean granted we weren't 11 years old when we had access mm. to this type of social media which we're close at least for me and Tucson. yeah i was 14 when facebook was a thing. i didn't get facebook I think, until i i think i was also around 14 to, or 13 okay. um I just meant that's, College. that's still kind of pre Right, but I, even like but mobile, yeah. like on the mobile yeah, sense, right, I right. think well, it's and so Facebook different. was not what it was. I was just right, saying. exactly yeah. not. Yeah. No, no, no. So, like, Amy is, is doing all of, of these things, and I think specifically when it relates to dance, I think going into this film, I was like, okay, this is going to be like a slightly different version than what the girls do on Dance Moms. And, like, granted, mm-hmm. by the time we get to the dance competition, they're wearing an outfit that's pretty gosh darn similar. I also think it's interesting how the, the dance outfits do look similar to the cheerleading outfits in Euphoria, which mm. is what I said when we were watching the yeah. film. Yeah. It's like the same color scheme and the same kind of cut. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, it seems like the narration and the camera was emphasizing the ridiculousness because we see before Amy steps up and joins the group, she does she is finding those stripper videos and is fascinated by the things that these women are doing. And it's part of her going like, I didn't know women could do that. Right. I I didn't know that women could take control of themselves and present themselves mm-hmm. this way. And she uses it to her advantage in, in a bad way. And sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. Like she, she understands what she sees when she sees those videos, but she doesn't really have a conception of what it means. Exactly. Of, of, of what is the male gaze and what it means to internalize the male gaze. Right. And like, it's the, 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 when you're talking about the, the cut of a costume, something that I thought was really interesting was, um, it was like the second scene of the film where they go to the, uh, the religious sort of like gathering and stuff when they're talking about, you know, uh, chastity and piety and other, mm-hmm. other things like that. And there's a shot and it stuck out to me because I, I sort of knew where the film was going, but it still stuck out to me for the fact that Amy, who's in her like shroud or whatever, mm-hmm. she looks over to somebody, she looks over to the one of their feet and she sees like a hole in somebody's sock with like a toe sort of like poking out. And so when I see that, 
I see it as sort of like a harbinger of things to come where you have like all like the the the, the sort of presumption that women are supposed to conceal their bodies like from from head to toe mm-hmm. and you literally have like this toe that's like sort of sticking out and so that's sort of like her first the breach that that that's that sort of um um alludes to her future awareness of not only women's bodies but her own body. Yes. Well, so when she uh, like going off of what Tucson just said, she is absorbing all of this new information and has no other way to process it than herself. So she's basically just right. an echo chamber to herself right. until she ends up receiving the fallout of what we see later in the film and her so-called friends turning against her and kicking her out, etc. So Yeah. I was going to say, well, the other thing, too, during that scene is that the most blunt, I would say, representation of uh, hypocrisy, so to speak, is that she is, uh, I wouldn't say a victim, but certainly kind of a prisoner to this entire ceremony because she's clearly not on the exact same wavelength. And she gets to look over at the boys, and the boys get to play during this, right. uh, you know, uh, session. Whereas she's not given a choice. More and I, is expected I, of the of the women, respective to this yeah. sort of like arrangement, and it's it is arbitrary and it is bullshit, and it's tradition, and traditions often are it, uh, those same kind of qualities. I, I even was if going to say, I hesitate they, to necessarily go off on, and I'm not saying that's what you're doing, right. but I'm saying like as far as like I, I don't want to judge any one culture compared right. to my own because right. technically we do the exact same thing. We yeah. just do it with different codes. Yeah, um, but we're going te- fucking insane right now oh, because yeah. of our because of our codes because right. of the myths that we subscribe to that we don't like to have externalized from ourselves and like actually see them for what they are. Right. But the internal struggle is the universal one which is that we are indoctrinated into one set of beliefs and then we navigate our own and where if at all they fit within them right so um if anna you were finished with your opening remarks or if Um, you're not that's okay yeah that was like the bulk of my opening remarks basically like i think when the quote-unquote like shock value came i think the the way that I mean, the framing around it, I think, was the most important, and I think that was conveyed, like, pretty, as what I saw, fairly clearly to the audience of, in terms of, like, ridiculousness mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are my opening thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I would agree, and I'm still kind of with Toussaint, though, about just, just the the way it was portrayed, but mm-hmm. I'm also not like, ah! There's a, yes. <laughs> there's a scene that I'm, I'm, I'm still returning to mentally and trying to sort of like frame my understanding of that respective to the the film as a whole. So we have Amanita who is sort of coming into this not necessarily a a, a sexual awakening but a sort of awakening of like a consciousness of her own body and her own femininity in that sort of way. Uh, the confrontation with uh, her cousin – and the uh, the phone and taking that photo that she took of her body and then giving him back the phone. She was attempting to implicate him in something as sort of a, a as retribution for the fact that that phone was being taken away from her. And I think of that scene and earlier scene where they actually stumble into the laser tag. Uh, uh, arena and they're being uh, accosted by that security guard who wants to have their their parents numbers and stuff like that and i feel like where did where did amanita learn 
or even sort of, sort of begin to learn the sort of intuition to even sort of do what she did with regard to her cousin, if not from her friends and that sort of situation like that. And so it's just the sort of entanglement of, of, of how, how sexuality is, is weaponized against women and, and internalized. It's, it's just so I'm trying to draw, like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be totally honest. Like half of the reason why I feel like my sort of understanding and my sort of like inability to sort of frame, uh, my impressions about that scene within a sort of, uh, a coherent sort of argument is the fact that I'll be the first to say I'm drawing from a well, a well that is not there, a well of experience for which I have never lived in which I have never had to sort of navigate. I can only speak as a, as a black cis male. Like that's, that's the, the, that, that, that's where, where I'm coming from with this. And so trying to even sort of like intuate or even empathize with that, it's, it's an, an entirely, I can empathize with it on the pure level of having been an adolescent, but I cannot empathize. I cannot understand any more than that without in without projecting my own sort of like impressions about uh, uh, sexuality and adolescence that are from an entirely different perspective, from an entirely different culture. So it's it's like it. I'm I'm still trying to just wrap my head around that. How do I feel about that? Like that, there's no right answer. There's no right or wrong answer for that. But it's just, it, it's it's one of the pitfalls that sort of comes with navigating through adolescence and that sort so, of time in your life. Yes. Yeah, so, do you want to say something, Nick? I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say what I need to. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, um, something I was thinking about throughout this film is something I actually haven't thought about in a long time. Um, and that's actually um, has nothing to do with uh, twerking. Um, but it's when I was uh, having fun about twerking in a while. Uh, so when I, I was I was pretty little. I mean, I was younger than the kids are in this film. Right. I was probably like six or seven. And you were a real wild dog. Yep, you know it. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's it's kind of a, a really random thing. But so there was this kid um, I was kind of friends with when I was in. in Ooh, name him and give him <laughs> no, give his address. We're we're always. <laughs> We're always kind of friends with people around that yeah. age. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so anyway, just like they're kind of friends in this movie. He he was uh, I don't think a good person. No, nope. he was friends with an older kid who is really not a good person. Yep. Um, and I told my mom about something, and I thought nothing of it. But it was just just that they were going to go into an open garage that they knew and look at a car. Um, and I said, I thought that was kind of cool because I like cars. And my mom uh, said, um, you're not going to hang out with them anymore. So mm-hmm. that's just what that is. Yeah. And I'm not saying this to you because I don't want you to hang out with friends. Right. But it's because these aren't the kind of friends that you're going to want. And, and I, you ask why. I asked why. And she explained it to me. And I said, okay, mom. Um, and I'm not saying that that's because my mom was a good mom and I was a good kid. Right. But just because even just having that sort of um it, it doesn't have to be your parent it has has to be someone there watching out for you mm-hmm. to not 
make and those end up leaps. tripping into into something that you really because tripping into a shallow uh, to what you think is a shallow pool, but is actually the fucking e- deep end. Everyone's going to have opportunities right. to make that leap, right? And it's going to come at different ages and different times for mm-hmm. everybody, right? And you have to have some role model or somebody watching out for you to 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 be there for you. And I think this film is actually interesting because I think this film shows her. Um, unfortunately, as many people do, and this is cross culture right. of older children having to be parents for younger children, right. um, or for the parent. Right. I mean, I'm not it's saying true. explicitly no, about that, but definitely as far as the maturity level to at least you take out an, get on with the fucking day. You take on an outsized sort of emotional weight and responsibility when it comes to sort of I mean, like your it, your role in the household. When it, it's very simple tasks, like like like. Like important human tasks like eating and yeah. bathing. I mean, it is it is the responsibility of the eleven year old child to take care of the younger child. Yeah, because um, you the, work hard so you can support your your parents. Not not that you shouldn't, but it's like it it it's it, no the when the, the the second scene where the auntie is talking to Amanita and just like you work hard in school so that you can oh, take okay, care of your mother. I'm just saying that Amanita had to grow up a lot faster than. A lot of folks that I would know, so, you know, and, and that that leads me to my, one of my first things I want us to talk about, though, actually, and and, and if someone else had something to, to go off on the point I was on, I just thought that was interesting. Oh, Nick is wants to move on. Um, no, I'm saying I don't have something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're I, just like ah. I want to no. go back really quickly to what Toussaint was talking okay. about, if that's oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So um, Toussaint brings up a very good point about how don't tell you that. specifically can't relate to certain things that i guess amy was or wasn't doing in the right. film right and i did say this out loud when we were um watching the film specifically after the laser tag scene and i said well she's basically doing an equivalent of crying to the police officer when you get pulled over for a speeding ticket mm. but in this context it was different and yet the result was the same and was that she just didn't get in trouble yeah so that's that's how i framed it in my own mind right so i mean i will say as a a person who was once a child (laughs) (laughs) um when i was a wee little boy um i you know it was one of those situations where no one had to you know explicitly teach me something because it was just one of those things where, you know, if you just grew up in this society, you, you learn it. it. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say secondhand, so to speak. So, like, for example, like, when I was maybe around the same age, 11, 12, maybe 13 at the oldest, and I would be up late at night finally because I could stay up past any bedtime or whatever and watch, like, Comedy Central and the Girls Gone Wild uh, infomercials uh, and yeah, play. Yeah. You know, I would never watch those as an 11, 12-year-old and think it was okay. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, no matter, even though it's not like my mother ever said, well, you know those girls called wild infomercials that you see at night on the Comedy Central channel? Technically, those are exploiting young women's vulnerability during seaside holidays, uh, during, you know, whatever. And it's like, no one ever had to have a conversation with me simply because of the fact that that was... You know the moral code, Mom. That... How did you know I saw those? We have TiVo, honey. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> anyway, continue. 
It's like you taped Jay and Silent Bob five times. You don't even like that movie. I know, but it was the Midnight Stash and the commercials are great. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like no matter how much I obviously as a 11 or 12 year old was into it, like it's not like I watched that and was thinking, well, adults made this, so therefore this must be okay on some level or whatever. And I feel like the opposite must be true from a female perspective, which is that you understand what is wrong, what is, uh, shall we say, susceptible to being weaponized. And even if that's maybe – and I would say the unfortunate thing is that is sometimes maybe – someone's first expression of sexuality is that it has, you know, instead of having a true pure sexual experience with another person, that's a consensual thing. uh, You're faced with an experience where you see a situation in which the wrong thing is technically maybe to your game, because at the end of the day, as we see in this movie and as we see in our society at large, punitive measures are taken against women who express sexuality at any age, let alone someone who's younger than the, the legal age. I, I want to sort of um, tangentialize to, to something that your conversation is really reminding me of, and I hope that I'm not too off topic from the film itself, but I yeah. feel like this sort of like – want to talk about Girls Gone Wild. This, I get this it. circles back to um, the sort of like the, the, the topic of like how sexuality is litigated and, and weaponized – um, across the gender lines, it was like I remember it was like a moment. It, w- it was like sometime in 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 college or whatever. There was some story that came out about a um, about a, uh, a grade school teacher that was having some type of physical relationship with like one of her students, stuff right? And it like locally, not locally. Oh, okay. I'm saying I, like it's like a national story okay. that spreads and stuff, right? And I remember like it's the, happened unfortunately I, a lot. I know, yeah. yes. And and then there's the whole thing of like you know the the South Parkism of like nice, nice, like, and then seeing people sort of like react to that. And I sort of like made a post where I was like, you know, when I see when I see people sort of like talk about that kind of stuff, it makes me feel uncomfortable because really that just and and when I see like younger kids or like like younger young men sort of like talk about that it just makes me think that you know that kid never had somebody who actually just like sat them down and talked to them about not just sex but the fact that when it comes to human relationships there are many different dimensions like apart from that of the physical that are impacted buys those sort of like relationships and it's not something that is to be treated glibly and that consent is not something that is to be to be scoffed at it is about not just the the physical act itself but also about the under understanding that that is a person sharing their body with somebody else and there is arguably no uh, more like 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 profound choice in that and that really like consent totally matters and if you're not old enough to consent that is just like fucked up so I, it, it, that's the sort of thing that, that that sort of like wells up with me when we have like these conversations about stuff like what's going on in this in in this film right here is like it just sort of like it uncovers the sort of like you sound the, my, the double the double standards that sort you of sound like, like my youth pastor I'm not I'm not trying to be a youth pastor or be puritanical in that sort of sense it's just more of like like talking about like 
how people relate with one another and how you sort of like just, just to be fair you sound like a good one. youth pastor yeah, just, one just, that just <laughs> talks about actual yeah. human emotions right. and, and doesn't uh, bring in well you know uh, you I'm, will die I'm not trying to shame people I'm, I'm, I'm not trying <laughs> if you to, have sex I'm not trying to shame anybody by saying that I'm saying that it's just like just I don't know you think know, before you, know, you fuck you know what I mean yeah and, and also just you know Please be responsible, and you're not young enough to know better, so please stop. Why are you looking at me? Nothing. It's just like I'm... So uh, the thing I was going to mention before I forget about it um, was that I, I thought the uh, the decision to use this culture specifically, I, I think, is... I'd like to find out why it was chosen. I mean, it's the, the director's sort of like home culture, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, so uh, I would think the same thing, and, and that's obviously a good... But um, I do think that it's very interesting, um, the use of uh, the father role in this film, um, and the idea of not necessarily the absent father, but the father who is leaving for another family. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of not only well, we gotta wish him well, and not only that, we have to prepare food and also prepare everything else for his wedding yeah, they, to his new wife and it's, his new and better family yeah. than ours. They're gonna live with us in, the, in the big in the big room. Very things fall apart. Ask. <laughs> Anyways, I just I just thought that was a very interesting dynamic and in something that obviously American films would not even think about tackling because. It's one or the other. It's either we're happy as a family or we're divorced and um, either the man hates the woman or the woman hates the man. That's the only temperature you can have. Tales uh, as old as time. <laughs> Song as old as rhyme. Beauty and the Beast. Did you say Cutie and the Beast? I said Beauty and the that Beast. Oh, that would have been great. I gave you an out. Yeah. Let's rewind it back now. <laughs> Anyways, I just thought that that part of the film was interesting, especially because we never see the father. Um, which I is love that, by unique. the way. Yeah. I kept waiting for him to show up, which I think is the perfect reason for him not to show up, because then you are in Amy's shoes, you know, as far as, like, you would just assume that at some point he's going to make an appearance, and even if it's just one scene, and even if it's a disappointment, whatever, but it never does, it never happens, and even when she says no, uh, not literally, but to the wedding and to participating, uh, it's not like we see some kind of actual, uh, you know, scope on him and where he is or anything No, like I mean, the only, the only thing we see of him really in the whole movie is him attempting to talk to her and her dropping the phone out the window. Which seemed, oh yeah, on the phone yeah yeah, which seemed a little over the top, but that's okay. Yeah, but she already had a phone. <laughs> uh, I'm also interested too about the mother's role in this film because we haven't really hit on that at all. Um, obviously, uh, having a very difficult time with the fact that um, her life has undergone a uh, monumental change, and she lives in a culture that. <laughs> literally tells her she has to deal with it and also be nice uh to the new uh newfound wife and go through the rolodex and like literally tell everybody yeah. that like that is one of the most like yeah it's like this dehumanizing this... things i've seen in a while yeah and and it, it plays out as she starts to um hit herself as i was mentioning in, in the scene early on in the film but um we see the, the, the two interesting scenes that sort of play off of each other, which is uh, the scene where she starts to completely um, disregard uh, Amy 
and um, starts to yell at her mm-hmm. and slap her. Um, we and, see a total inversion of that later on. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. We have that scene where the 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 um, um, I, I don't know. She's just the aunt, right? Like, yeah, she the didn't auntie. Have it. Okay, yeah. she is trying to like take the mother and like calm her down mm-hmm. and then in like you know 25 minutes later or whatever we see the exact opposite mm-hmm. where the auntie is is shaming her and calling her a whore mm-hmm. um and all these things and the mom is now trying to like say her no you cannot do this um i'm very interested about that because uh, i'm wanting to figure out if that that inversion is earned because it didn't really feel like it to me to be honest with i you. think that the way that i i sort of Try to frame that our understanding is that it is when the first time we see that when the auntie is uh, defending Amanita from the mother, I believe it's the auntie sort of like being like, yeah, I know this is bad, but there's a way that we can like solve this. We can we can exercise these demons from her. We can like call in this priest or whatever. Like she's really more sort of like resort, resorting for resort, resorting to a. Um, a sort salvaging of a sort type. of means of like salvaging the situation. Yeah. She's she's doing triage, is what I'm saying. Mm. She's doing emotional triage as sort of the matriarch in this sort of uh, this sort of situation. That's what she's trying to do. She's really trying to assert her um, authority in that in that kind of regard. The latter scene that comes comes uh, full forward with that, where we have the mother then uh, defending Amanita from the auntie, the auntie feels like she has already done everything that she can do in that sort of capacity. And so she is really at her wit's end. And so to be confronted not only with this same child, but the same child in a situation that looks even more egregious than what she found her in uh, forces her to sort of like chastise her and to sort of like really lean into like sort of like a not a hard love, but just sort of like a reprimanding of like her and like her entire character. The mother, I think, is at a point now where she is honestly so miserable by the situation that she has been sort of foisted into um, by not only the auntie, not only by the situation, but just sort of the, 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 the schema by which a woman has to like fit into this sort of framework where she literally has to dress in her nicest gown and cook all this fucking food in order to celebrate the wedding of her, um, her husband who has now eloped with another woman before even annulling their own marriage and has to then have her own children come in order to celebrate the not the annulment but the sort of like the usurp- uh, the usurpation uh, of one union over another i feel like she knows that yeah this whole thing is bullshit and i know that my my daughter is in trouble but at some point some part of me cannot fault her for rebelling for having seen me as the example of what she has to look forward to going forward. So I feel like that's where that turn comes from. I, I took that as is they are not getting divorced or annulled or anything like that. Like she is just literally the second wife. Yeah, right? I thought that mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as that's what the room is for. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I believe the scene in which the mother faints um, – like at the breakfast table one day or like near it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that scene is in between the mom reprimanding Amy and also the aunt reprimanding Amy. Why do you think she fainted? So 
I actually was just about to extrapolate on that. <laughs> Sorry. So, I mean, after that scene, I was like, so when is a hospital scene going to come? Because mm-hmm. that's what, obviously, it's what's going to happen. And right. then, of course, that didn't happen. I want to say she fainted because of a combination of mental, physical, and emotional exhaustion. Yeah. And I think that scene focused specifically on Amy not giving a shit. Because that was her way of shielding herself from absorbing her mother, her mother's emotional. Um, I don't want to say baggage; that's not the right word. Emotional, that's technically true. As far as parents, parents' shit is baggage to a child. You yes, know what I mean? It is it, it, her it is. over encumbrance. So, of, yes, of, exactly. Her emotional over encumbrance. Right. She, Amy was literally just deflecting it and really not caring that her mom fell, fell on the floor. I honestly think Amy was was so far into what she was dealing with that she just wouldn't have cared if her mother croaked right then. So, um, granted, I don't think that would have been permanent. That was basic, That was temporary. But I think that um, reflecting specifically on her home life, that's just um, that's just what it came down to. And of course, like. Um, Going back to, you know, teens rebelling, like not only was Amy not fully getting um, love and support, she was providing love and support on top of, at this point, just dealing with her so-called friends, just emotionally barraging her, barraging her and berating her at every single opportunity until Amy literally had to earn her place Mm -hmm. by showing them that um, or showing just specifically that she knew the routine. So Amy really was in her mind doing her best fighting tooth and nail to just literally get anything, any sort of acceptance instead of shielding and defending herself from the things happening around her that she just could not control. So, yeah, Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Um, (laughs) I feel like there is a lot more like just with respect to at least the conversation that we're having after having watched the film, mm-hmm. sort of like navigating sort of – at least I'm speaking for myself personally, sort of navigating through the discomfort of the imagery on a – on just a, on a on – a, uh, on a first blush sort of like uh, like reaction, but actually sort of like delving into sort of the context that sort of frames that imagery and really sort of like the emotional uh, drama which gives that, that, that imagery context – I feel like that is a far more it, – it's a far deeper and more entangled well of, of conversation than any of the sort of like controversy surrounding it. I can totally understand even having – after watched it, like why people may be skittish towards the film with mm-hmm. regard, regard, regard to that. But I also believe that people are going to make – people make judgments about films all the time without having, having watched them. Okay, and I say that as somebody who literally was on an episode where we talked about our favorite film endings, and I included the ending of a film that I have not seen, but I have seen that ending. Well, that was that was kind of on you. Yeah, Yeah, that was totally on me. But I also (laughs) believe. But I also. But I also believe that one that is a a that is a a a a, uh, an anomaly. And otherwise, in a in a, in a, a, sure. a uh, go fuck yourself, dude. Anyway, I will. In but a in a in a in a, a later. 
I'm, what I'm trying to say is that people make impressions about films all the time off of just simple trailers, okay? Off of just simple, like, word of mouth of what they say. You can't really stop what people are going to infer. No, but from you what, don't from have something. to actually listen to them. You don't have to actually listen to them. But I'm, what or I'm, included what, in your best of list. Hey, go fuck yourself. I actually really like that ending, and I think I defended it pretty well. <laughs> it's not a matter of how well you defended it. It's, it's just... You know what? Uh, I still would put that on my list anyway because I really well, did like. Hopefully, that one day you'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, we can do an episode on it. I don't think. Will you watch? It I then? feel like that would go yeah. against you. <laughs> you putting it on your list? Actually, I think no. I it think might that, lose its magic. Actually, I don't. I realize it that it's a really long movie. Actually, no. You know what? Uh, if it weren't for the fact that I had to go home and like work on another review for something else, I probably would have watched it tonight. So, oh, of course. We'll see. So yeah. we're not important. Mm, that's not true. I make time for you all the time. Oh. <laughs> I make time for you anyway, all the time. Yeah. That's, there's a lot happening right there. Yeah. Uh, Let's. Oh, were you going to say another topic or a different or the same? I've lost my train of thought, so I will I'm just right. move on. Choo choo. I will say one of the things I think we should talk about mm. is the last 20 minutes of this movie. Uh, not a specific 20 minutes, but the general ending and whatnot. From by the time she goes to the dance competition mm. to the conversation with her mother to the wedding to the final scene um that was probably the only time for me personally that the movie faltered a little bit because i thought that it was doing remarkably well in non-sensationalizing the kind of coming of age story and while i wouldn't say that the last 20 minutes necessarily overemphasize her journey's uh growth i do think it does slightly rush some of these moments, even if it smartly does not pay lip service to them. Because, um, I mean, for me at least, we watched the entire movie from, you know, Amy's eyes, and the mother in the movie, you know, being who she is, all the way up until that final scene when she says, you don't have to go, uh, even before that, when she stands up to the ante, I didn't quite buy the turnaround because, while I can understand why it would happen in real life, it's not so much that I think it's emotionally false, but mm-hmm. from a narrative standpoint, I thought it was almost a little too cute in <laughs> making <laughs> too cutie uh, in kind of wrapping up the story and being the impetus for Amy to essentially come of age. Because if Amy is uh, essentially rebelling against her mother's way and kind of the the conservative indoctrination of her religion and how she doesn't quite agree with that, and then she finds friends who are way beyond that, and she finds out she doesn't quite agree with that either, and that she's maybe somewhere in the middle. I don't know that I think that the right message or I should say final send off for Amy's coming of age story is to be her mother finally and for really no real built up reason uh, becoming a better person within the span of a couple scenes Um, because at the end of the day she's you know it's great that she now has a slightly better role model than she had uh, before that scene uh, but she also has to learn a lot about herself, and I don't know. It's like coming of age doesn't quite it doesn't quite ring as emotionally sound to me that it's her mother that unknowingly kind of pushes her to 
drop the pretense of what she thinks she wants and or uh, will be satisfied with and become a quote-unquote normal girl. And part of that reason, before I pass it off, is because I think the sexualization that people are, you know, decrying without having seen this movie is technically, I mean, I said it before, but is, I think, the projection of the people who watch this movie. And I think that, technically speaking, Amy should not be taught that uh, that sexual sexuality is inherently wrong simply because of her age, because then that puts the blame on her and not of the people that would sexualize her mm. for, technically mm-hmm. speaking, just dancing and wearing an outfit. I mm. mean, okay, if you're in a public water park and a five-year-old walks by you and is wearing a bikini, because, you know, that is a thing that does happen nowadays, uh, while you may have a split second of, like, uh, you know, whatever, I don't think you'd stare at that and be like, oh, this is a little too sexual for you, little lady. And Why do they have to be Southern? I don't. Why do they have to be John Wayne? I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> uh. but I, I I think that that is technically if if you have those thoughts once again that is on you and that is on you being a product of a society you were raised in and the values that you chose to agree with no matter what your actual moral state and I feel like Amy is technically being punished for reacting in an extremely normal way based on the external and internal factors that were kind of pressured into her all the while. So I just feel like there's a message in there while I I definitely agree with it as far as like, you know, someone needs to figure out their own path. Um, I don't know that we need to come down on the side of like bad Amy. You need to be a slightly more, uh, slightly more conservative, but you know, less conservative than your uh, family, religion, upbringing, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I just I thought it was kind of uh, it was a little too boilerplate. Okay, for me. I, I still like the the very send off of this film just because it is just her just being a person um, and and her going off and just being able to be a preteen um, and and to go off and I mean you see her walking out in a outfit that is pretty standard i feel like maybe not i don't know and then uh that that bizarre jump rope scene where she's able to jump 30 feet in the air um so you know i, I i'm not sure what happened there uh, i wanted to go really back really quickly that felt really quick just because it's almost a direct correlation uh like it was slight. like mask of the phantasm <laughs> it reminded me of uh hero marai's music video for michael kawamine's uh Kawama Nuke's uh, Black Man in a White World. Oh. I was going to say it slightly resembles the ending of the movie The Fits, which was, I think, oh. at Sundance yeah. when we I were there. It, but, yeah. I watched it on Netflix you know, later on, mm. and specifically that is about young adolescent girls doing gymnastics and whatnot. Mm. And the last 20 minutes or so has a very surreal... Uh, bent to the physicality of the girls on display. Okay. Not sexual, but yeah. like as to what they can achieve and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it felt more like a stand-in for uh, thematic material. There, the movie was already ambiguous enough where you can read a lot into it. Here, uh, it was slightly jarring in a way that didn't quite work for me. But So, um, the scene, uh, which we've referenced a few times, which is uh, the mother now removing the auntie and saying, get away, um, 
I actually, I'm not sure. Like, I, I'm pretty much agreeing with just the how that's presented and saying that she is trying to protect her daughter and, and whatever. But I feel like from the previous scene and then the way that she addresses the auntie and then the way she addresses Amy following that, I think there's definitely room for the idea of she's only saying that because she's feeling like she's not worth it. Don't even bother with this. No, I, no? I, mean, I mean, I disagree in the sense yeah. that I, I see I, what I, you're saying. Yeah. I personally thought it was just too crowd pleasing of a scene, and that okay. there was at least two or three scenes missing in between that scene and the scene prior to I, get to that I, point. Again, I, I'm not I'm not subscribing to the, what I'm talking about here necessarily at all, um, but I just felt like it was too too abrupt for her to go. From, oh, I agree with that. From, from that that like salvaging scene to her be like, you don't have to go to the wedding because it's not like a like. Her saying, oh, you don't have to go the way. And it's her being like, oh, you don't have to go. We don't need that. That's not how I read it, but I can see how somebody might sort of take it from that just because of what immediately what immediately follows mm-hmm. afterwards. Sort of like the mother defending Amanita and then sort of like the way that she looks at her daughter and the way that she actually speaks to her daughter in that tone. It doesn't – that's not – that's not what that scene at least communicates to me. It's sort of like a, a sort of leveling of like, yeah, you don't have to go. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree. I just I just thought there was some room for interpretation yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So I took that particular scene as I think the mom finally getting somewhat of a read on what Amy could possibly be going through because it's not that. Amy's mom doesn't care. It's just she's so um she's so focused on her own trauma at the moment that it's just like it's up until this point it was just too much for her to even monitor what her eldest child right. was doing because, right. because at the most she was making sure her eldest child was watching her two younger children. That was like the focus and that's mostly how how I took it. <laughs> I would agree Go with ahead. you. No, I, I'm I'm with you in that. Like, right. I pretty much think that's how I read the scene. Yeah. I don't know that that completely worked for me as far as, like, being, like, what Alex said, that abrupt. But I definitely think that right. that was the emotional core of the scene. Yes. I mean, you see scenes throughout the movie where they're not, like, on bad terms. I mean, there's the really kind of adorable scene where they're in the bathroom and they're uh, they got the faucet running and, and they're kind of play you know teasing each other because she's like um, move over you're taking up the whole sink and yeah. she's like no you are you know whatever and right and it's like you see that there are these moments of levity between the two of them where mm-hmm. when the mother is not completely entrenched in this world that is just shitting on her <laughs> it is and, yeah and it's true so it's not it's not that their relationship is total is too far gone because yeah. it isn't it's just her mom is trying her best but is literally ripping apart at the seams and her aunt yeah. is constantly chastising her and trying to tell her to do what's right according to tradition essentially so which is actually kind of ties into one of the more heartbreaking scenes which is a split second but is when uh when she does that you know spread for her on her mom's uh, bed Mm. and then the mom Mm. goes to take a nap which you almost completely understand i don't even think the mom even saw it you know like i I personally, at least, like yeah, I don't, no, I, she didn't. I, I, yeah. I agree, but I think that that's she was like, part "Get that shit oh, exactly. out of here!" Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, 
Oh, uh, what did an 11-year-old make this? <laughs> say, what a shitty drawing. <laughs> make it again. But, I mean, that's, then that's Look at the that central. Line. Shit. <laughs> and, but that's the central problem, is that yeah. she's so exhausted, so uh, within her own thoughts, for understandable reasons. She, she's literally having to carry her baby around on her back. Yeah. And I, we didn't see that baby again after the no, early parts of the film. Where did he go? Oh no, we did. We saw that baby again. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Because the baby, like the like when um, Amy first sees the girls dancing, like she's she's like literally uh, yeah, carrying the baby, the baby outside. Then and she gives it to the the brother, and she makes the, the brother carry the baby. And, and then I think at the one, auntie is carrying it at one point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then when. One of the scenes when Amy counts like fifty quote unquote oh, yeah. pieces of cereal is she's shown like you know putting a blanket on the baby on the couch in the back. So I mean, no, the baby's right. not the star of the show, but like what? <laughs> well, it should be. What a heck of God an appearance it. with a reversed uh, baby Bjorn. I thought that was like visually pretty cute. So it was pretty cute. Yeah. You guys ready to go to final ratings? Sure. Yes. Let's do it. Sure. Okay. Um, I'll go first if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I thought this movie was pretty solid, but not incredible um, by any stretch of the imagination, for me at least. So I am going to give this a three out of five. Um, and, and I thought it definitely was worthwhile. I thought the first 20 minutes or so was actually fantastic. Um, a lot of the... <laughs> Nick is having a lot of fun with his microphone, and it is very interesting. I and just want to make sure that I get everything that you're saying. <laughs> Got it. Too much. <laughs> Thanks for that. We're going to record some ep- episodes remotely again because of, because of shenanigans, like, because bullshit no, shenanigans like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Tucson's like, it was way easier when I didn't have to see everybody. <laughs> oh, that's not true. It was much harder. I missed you guys. Oh, oh buddy. No. So anyways, the first 20 minutes uh, was filled with a lot of, uh, I thought, pretty solid uh, filmmaking moments, whether it was her under the bed, um, everything that was happening in the opening scene where we see them um, at the, the, I don't know what we want to call that, a, a church or religious ceremony or whatever you want to call it. Um, and to um, Amy's sort of moving away from totally being entrenched in the family unit to moving outside into what appears to be a new school, um, as it looks like they just moved here. Um, but there are just so many moments that were uh, non-verbal cues throughout this that actually ended up being somewhat uh, opposite. Uh, the biggest one I thought being um, when we see the mother um, just randomly staring off into the room and you as the viewer, at least as the first time, would know nothing about it. Um, I think I even mentioned that it reminded me a little bit <laughs> um, of last year's movie Us, uh, where I was just like, oh no, what's going to happen? Does she have scissors? Um, but um, you come to find out she was just staring into the new um the new wife's room, which is obviously much nicer than anything that uh, anyone in the current family has, at least uh, from a viewer's perspective. So I thought early on the film was uh, was really good, had some really good moments. Um, I didn't think that a lot of the, the scenes that were uh, would could be considered as controversial were much more than you would see in other things, especially if you've gone ever to a 
you know, teenagers dance competition, um, which, you know, people are, I mean, even here, this film like shows the judges being like, oh yeah, they keep going, showing those moves. I'm pretty sure I twerked at a middle school dance before (laughs) twerking had a name. So like, uh, you know, Nick is actually the one who invented it. He just didn't know it. (laughs) 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 Tucson's disdain is amazing. Still, it's great. Like a private lesson. Ooh. So what would you? So what would, <laughs> what you, would you say what, is your rate? What would you say you rate it, uh, Alex? So I would give uh, Cuties a three out of five. Uh, it's definitely a film. What? It's definitely a film. That's true. <laughs> it's that, definitely a film. That's true. <laughs> Thank you for letting me finish. Uh, it's definitely a film. Uh, that I thought was worthwhile to watch and to give the time of day to, but um, also had some parts of it that were not um, fantastic. Can I ask you a question? Yes. You had told us earlier, I think before the podcast started, that you had uh, mentioned to your office mates mm-hmm. that you had you were going to watch the movie and do an episode. Yeah. Will there be any follow-up? Uh, or is this something you were just going to let lay? <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm probably going to mention that I did uh, follow through with watching the film. Like, will you publicly basically go out to people like at your work and say, yeah, I don't think it was that bad? <laughs> um, I mean, it's 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 a little bit of a weird dynamic. Oh, I will it say. is. Oh, yes, because it if is. they don't watch it, no matter what you say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I would say to that, though, is that if it comes up in conversation, for sure, I will mention my feelings on it, and I probably will tell my two um, closest coworkers, uh, if we are chatting tomorrow, just in a random Friday, whatever, that I did watch it, and I felt like that, as I assumed, uh, it was blown way out of proportion, um, and and I probably also will suggest they don't watch it because I don't think it's up either of their alleys, right. uh, just as a film. Right. Uh, so yeah, um, but at, at the same time, I'm also not like really fighting an uphill battle against like dead red coworkers. Uh, I would say that are like, oh my god, how could they put that filth on Netflix? How can they allow it? Like I I've, I have another friend. Um who has a family member who um, was, was trying to encourage him to delete Netflix yeah. and cancel his subscription uh, because of this, this, this filth they've put on uh, their service. And I'm like, uh, I don't think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll say, I mean, I think... If you want to do that because of Grimlock Cove, then that makes sense. Hemlock Grove? Hemlock... Grimlock Cove. Grimlock Cove. Grimlock That's the sequel, by the no, way. No, that sounds like, a, <laughs> sounds like a miniature golf course. Wait, is that the... the, the... It's the series with, like, Bill Skarsgård. Oh, I thought you were yeah. talking about that new series where it has... Uh, um, Sherlock Holmes' uh, sister. Enola Holmes? Enola Holmes. Uh, no. Bobby Brown that's, sort of like, that's what I sort of like. No, no, no. Hemlock Grove has You've never heard of Gremlock Hove? Has since ended, but I mean, yeah. at I, one point it was new. I heard it the, was this weird supernatural show that had a very famous producer who I'm now blanking. I don't know if it was Guillermo del Toro or somebody else. Somebody. Maybe, maybe Robert Rodriguez. Somebody yeah. in that vein. 
uh, was it a British show where they had like a bunch of like monsters or whatever living in a house together? I don't even think it was British. It was just this. It was honestly one of the first wave. Like it was after House of Cards and um, Orange is the, Orange the New Black. Yeah. But it was not very far after that. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, something I was actually thinking about. Yeah. Um, Grandma Cove. No. <laughs> um, actually, uh, when I was watching this film a week ago with Nick. Um, and I thought, well, I wonder if I would, this would make sense to bring up on the episode, uh, on cuties. And I didn't know if it would work into it, but I think it actually does. Um, and it is, uh, a scene from the film, um, the devil all the time, oh. which I actually thought was quite good. And Nick thought was lukewarm, Yes, which is okay. Yeah. Um, everybody has different opinions on movies, but, um, we do have a character in that film who does go after young girls and tries to take advantage of them because of his position in, uh, the clergy. So talking we, about Dudley, no, Robert Pattinson. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we do see a, a time where he seduces her, uh, this young girl, and she actually takes her shirt off and, um, like, starts to listen to anything he says. Um, and, and I'll just say I didn't see any outrage about that. And I know that that's a different situation, but at the same time, like, the idea of, like, total mental manipulation of a child in a situation like that. Um, to me is, is an, I mean, it's a film, so it's, it's obviously fine, but at the same time, like you're seeing something that is so much more concerning yes. uh, than somebody just seeing the culture and the society around them. Like you literally have an adult person to person taking advantage of a child and no one makes mention of it anywhere. And it's fine because I don't necessarily think they should, but at the same time, we live in a world where this garners this huge um, explosion that has nothing to do with the actual film content, I feel like. And yet something like that just passes by without anybody even possibly noticing. All people need at large to be okay with any form of sexuality, heteronormative sexuality, is permission. So as long as they're a certain age, then it's quote-unquote okay. Which is why we get scenes in Riverdale where it's mid-20s actors yes. playing teenagers, and then uh, suddenly there's alternate universes of them playing strippers to on the show. To be fair so. to the mid-20s actors, they're very hot. <laughs> and I mean, Robert Pattinson is White hot. As okay, well, so. not wants, in that movie. Who wants to give? I, their I, I, I'm saying. I, I'm sorry, Jusa, but Robert Pattinson. I don't know how he came up with this accent that he's got, but boy, is it something. Because well, according to him, now I, I, I will say with, came no, up with. No, it, didn't I'm, tell I'm, anybody. I'm about saying it. just 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 follow me here for a second, Toussaint. Because Robert Pattinson, first, he's wearing this weird, like, puffy pirate shirt um, throughout the entirety of the film. Mm -hmm. And also, too, now, you were saying Marlon Brando, and I think that that is close. But I'm going to say not exactly. But... No, no, no. I, no I'm, uh, it's a combination of two, for yeah. sure. Uh, and, and I came up with a, a different comp. Uh, and mine was um, actually Michael Jackson mixed with George W. Bush. And that is Ew. how he came up with his accent. And I'm saying, if you watch it, you're going to be like, wait a minute. He might be onto something. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of fucked up. Anyways, Robert Pattinson uh, gives uh, at least an interesting performance in that movie. <laughs> a bad performance. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if it's good, but it's definitely something to look at. We'll, we'll definitely make this the split. Cutie slash uh, the the devil all the time episode featuring Anna Bochizatu. 
Hell yeah. I, I talked about it for two and a half minutes. Come on, man. I've okay. also, like, that, I mean, as far as things I've been wanting to watch that mo- that came out at the same time, it was Cuties and also Devil All the Time, because truthfully, You're like, a Tom Holland fan. Let's just call it what it is. Okay, and they pushed back the, and they so pushed back more films through twenty twenty one that I've wanted to see. So at this point, I'm just taking what I can get. Okay, no, right. and, I'm with you. And and Antonio Campos, uh, I think, should eventually get a chance at like a real movie. The director of Devil All the Time. That's, that's the motto of twenty twenty: just taking what we can get. Just I will say hashtag yeah. that I thought this was pretty good. Uh, if the last act was a little more true to, I think, what the first 60 minutes were, I would find this to be extremely uh, good uh, and quite affecting. As a stand, um, it's very good, but it's definitely something I've seen before uh, quite a few times. Um, uh, you know, it's funny, when I earlier when I mentioned Celine Sciamma's um, uh, girlhood, I did not put that together until I said it earlier that that's the director of Portrait of a Lady uh, on, fire. on Fire. So, A, she's really good because I've, I've seen more than one movie of her that I just discovered today. Um, but Girlhood, I think, is especially good. So if you kind of like this, then mm-hmm. I would recommend that for its more kind of dour backdrop uh, in the face of female camaraderie. Uh, but the other one, the Swedish director, Lucas Moodison, uh, especially We Are the Best, is like if you want to watch something like Cuties that's genuinely just adorable and in no way sexual and just just a fucking great time where you see a bunch of, in their case, I think it's like eight or nine-year-old girls just living their best life. Um, they want to start a punk band, and it's 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 genuinely so cute. Um, I ain't going back and forth with you bitches. I'm living my best life. Okay. <laughs> okay. You give us shit for talking about the devil all the time for like a minute. But... <laughs> oh, Tui. So I give this movie three and a half out of five because I did very much enjoy it. Um, I just kind of wish it stuck to the landing a little bit better. Toussaint? Yeah. Um, So I will say that I did enjoy this film for the most part. I do agree that I believe that the the last third of the film, despite having some really um, strong uh, moments, particularly with the sort of uh, confrontation – not the confrontation, but the incident between Amanita and uh, what's her name? Yeah, Yasmin. Yasmin. Yeah, like that whole. That was that was actually pretty that, good. That yeah. would. That, and, and, and and this is terrible to say, but if she would have drowned, it would have been great. I mean, I I, I sort of agree. I mean, it was sort of really <laughs> cemented the. Uh, it would be a radically different uh, third act, I believe. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously with a death, uh, but. <laughs> You know, there were parts of this film that really challenged me. A lot of uh, parts that sort of provoked introspection um, and sort of like a consideration of how the male gaze like not only informs how this film is talked about, but also how these girls and how these characters are sort of forced to sort of like navigate a very tumultuous time in their own lives more or less without the the sort of guiding hand or perspective of somebody not necessarily a parent but somebody who is able to empathize with them and able to actually relate to them having gone through those sort of experiences before they're sort of like uh they're 
they're flying blind into a a in, into a swath of of experiences of lived experiences and of of sensations and feelings that like nobody's really giving them a a means for which to sort of like understand other than themselves and they're always going to understand it through the mind of a child which always defers to like treating it as either a joke or deathly serious and nothing in between and sometimes the way that those two perspectives vacillate can cause um dramatic consequences that are more far-reaching than they could have ever like sort of like even grasped initially um so that's sort of like my takeaway from the film. I thought that it was very um, provocative in that sort of sense, and I I did enjoy what I took away from this this film. Um, it'll probably be a while before I go back and watch it because I feel like I'm just like sort of sitting with my feelings with like having initially rewatch like watched it this first time. But I would say that if if I were with somebody, if I were with my girlfriend, if my girlfriend uh, voiced interest in rewatching it. I think it would be very interesting to rewatch the film with her and just sort of get her take, like as as, as a woman. Not saying that your perspective as a woman, Anna, is not. Is, Damn, is, there it, goes me being the token no, woman. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's just like I. I you didn't it, have to say that. It's, too it's, it's, it's okay. just like being able to just sort of draw inferentially from that well and being able to just like hear what other people's perspectives are who might have gone through that path that I've I've never had to go through. You know, so. Is, oh, because it's all about you. No, I, I mean, as a viewer, it is about me, my impressions, and I'm giving my fucking rating right now, so go fuck yourself. Anyway, I give this movie a three You're out of very five. fixated on me and that activity. <laughs> I give this film a three out of five. Anna. All right. Um, I honestly take no offense on what you said. It's okay. Like, <laughs> okay, do. so... So, um, yeah, I, I actually did like this film i do indeed give it a three out of five there are it, it, it there are moments where i mean cinematically it really um did some things that i truly liked like alex brought the scene where um amy's under the bed for the duration of it i thought that was outstanding too mm-hmm. um and just even even the way certain things are introduced like that we see from the perspective of amy so she overhears um the group of girls talk about a video that someone's watching on their phone of a sex act and like the way it's introduced is that Amy's in the stall and then she slowly walks out and is trying to listen to it as the audience is listening to it too because it's just from you know that chopped in part of the conversation that we see and it's um it's really um I think captivating to see um the the complete 180 that Amy is trying so hard to do with herself because she thinks that's the way she can get away from all this um, sudden change and quote-unquote trauma, because it is a trauma, she's experiencing um, and trying to um, evolve herself to... um, to be something completely uh, different than what she's, you know, chosen to be. Like, of course, she doesn't want to spend hours and hours chopping vegetables to prove she's a woman. She wants to dance in this competition to prove she can be good at something. And at the conclusion, we see it wasn't technically even really about the dancing at all, which is, it's narratively, it's such a flip that um, as we 
as been has been discussed before, um, it does kind of falter at the end. But even so, it's just she finds that she can be herself and it can be just, you know, a little bit older of an Amy than just what we saw at the beginning. So I think um, narratively, this um, translated pretty good to the screen. Um, I would, if this, how do I put it? Basically, if there was, um, if this wasn't a film and if it was a novelization, I totally would have believed it too. Um, Just because I think the narrative, the narrative structure is really good. And um, yeah, it, you know, young teens, I think it's hard to portray on film um, in the context of it not specifically being children's media, which I think has helped with the success of um, media like Stranger Things and the It franchise, really taking child actors and uh, stories about children, not necessarily children's media, seriously. Um, the type that, of stories that you would read as a kid during that time for a certain generation that is yeah. sort of like recontextualized in a contemporary sort of veneer. Exactly. Yes. And um, the stereotype of like the annoying kid, I really, really, really hope is, you know, going away in mm-hmm. cinema because truthfully, if it's just an annoying kid and they only do one or two things that are significant, it just isn't worth it. Right. But if you just write kids as people who are growing and struggling and learning, which is all kids right. truly are, then you get something a little bit more tangible. So, um, Bless your Yasmin. What? Yasmin then... gets thrown under the bus. That's <laughs> what he's trying to say. Unless you're Yasmin, who just like is, is just... <laughs> that would have been interesting, too. Not into the river, unless, but under a bus. Unless that would have been Mean Girls-esque. Doesn't Regina get hit by a bus? Yes, she does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, poor Yasmin, she's literally just a plot device. So, um, yeah, I just, I guess I'm like, I guess I'm truly surprised at how uh, not shocked I was at this film. So three out of five for me. Yeah, I mean. Those uh, girls went from like getting into a a schoolyard fight where one of them said, I'll kill you to be like, oh, man, you're going to be at the dance, right? And we're working together. And there's like girls. Girls. Yeah. yeah. It's just truly. Ain't that the truth? Man, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's really just not that. I mean, other than a couple of the dance scenes where there are just up-close shots of dancing that they're doing, which I guess is construed as inappropriate by some people. And, Once again. and even so, like, in, in the film, we do see that the reactions around them are like, this is too much. Like, the... The nonverbal cues that we're getting, even like at the the penultimate dance competition, yeah, we see mostly from the judges. They're like they're shaking their heads and they're like, "Oh, nah. I actually thought the judges were fine with it because I oh yeah, they're perpetuating the culture for sure." But, but we see some parents covering yes. their children's eyes or, right. or um, being disturbed. Um, but but you know it. it um, I'll at, just at the same time, it, it's I guess it's a little more uh, you know taking a next step. But it's the same thing that all the other kids are doing. I mean, we banned TikTok because of China before we did it for any other actual moral reason yep. of like it is a moral reason the platform is for. And, They're taking our data, and, our data. Yeah, uh, but the other thing I'll say really quickly is that I'm sorry, but once again, I'm going to sign off by saying. If you're watching this movie, or particularly some of these scenes, and you're getting a boner, that's on you, not on the movie. I'm just saying, like, that is your predilection for sexualization 
of any female figure. And that the idea that a woman is no matter what a woman, even if technically they're prepubescent, because what that means to you is that they are almost ready for sex. And no, I'm just saying and that they shouldn't be doing that because they still need a few years before these reactions that, you know, I'm and I say I as in the uh, royal first person uh, am having. And, and, and fuck anybody who thinks that this is somehow an indictment on the culture at large other than the actual satire at play. This is what it is, and your reaction is the only thing that should be lambasted. Okay. So, uh, if anyone has any thoughts out there and has actually seen the film, uh, you can feel free to send them on to us. Unless you're Tucson. (laughs) Wow. He hasn't seen it. That's going to be a thing. I mean, it will be for a little while. Oh, I'm sure it is. So I'm going to probably watch it in between this week. I mean, that would close the book. Yeah, it would. <laughs> like, now i got to find time to do that on top of It's a long else. movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Film Tank Show is where you can uh, reach us at gmail.com. You can also find all of our episodes on filmtankshow.com. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Also by searching for Film Tank. So... Anna Bodazadu, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you guys in person. I know. This has been great having you here, and it's been great being able to get together, and no one has had a COVID scare at their work or you know home here that we know of. So that's great uh, in the last you know however many weeks. But um, we'll see what this fall and winter brings. Maybe we'll be doing a lot more episodes um, via... Um, Skype or the internet or whatever you want to call it, but um, it's especially in this year, it's been great just to get together, even if it's just for a few or five or six or many episodes end up being just to hang out in a small gathering and um, do this thing that we all enjoy doing. Existing. Um, oh, I was just going to say podcast, but existing also mostly enjoyable. Yeah. Mostly yeah. enjoyable. Mostly enjoyable. Mostly enjoyable. I'd give it a seven out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I'd uh, say mostly enjoyable, 7 out of 10. Yeah. So, Anna Bodozadu, Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Stiegman, thank you very much to everybody out there. We'll catch up with you next, we'll catch up with you next time uh, here on Film Tank. Stay cute!